Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to try to save this service before it gets off off the tracks too far. And uh, I told I told Rick this morning, I said, man, I, I, one of the things that you battle sometimes as a pastor when you're just trying to hear God and, and live in the season that he's told you to live in is there's times when I feel like there's, there's, there's a topic that we're supposed to hover on. And, and we started this journey in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and we're going to read the scripture that we've talked about a lot, but the, I had some things happen this week that I felt like the Lord highlighted uh, a greater revelation of some things to me through some correction that he gave to me. And uh, we actually started this, this in, back in April of 2016, uh, talking about 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and, and some things in that, uh, in that area. But it's, 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 it's very important that we, if, if God's on something, let's not get off of it. If he's speaking, let's stay right on where he's at. And that's kind of where we're, where we're at today. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, we've read this scripture quite a bit. We can go ahead and read it right now. First uh, Corinthians 12, I'll start in verse 27, actually. It says, now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Uh, we've talked about this quite a bit because this particular scripture is the closest thing to a, a blueprint that you get in scripture as far as the local church goes. It's, it's, and and I'm, I'm kind of like that anyway. I'm kind of black and white, wired that way. And so when I see this, I'm like, okay, he's very clear. First this, second this, third this, so on and so forth. Uh, but, but let me just remind you, the Bible says he set these gifts in the church. He's not just talking about our church, although it applies to us. He's talking about the church. And I just felt like the Lord uh, would have me remind you that anytime we try to make uh, the church look like our church, it's pride. Anytime we try to make the church, his church, look like our church, it's pride. It's assuming that our church has something figured out that other churches do not. And I just want to lay on that for just a second because I, there are churches all over, the, all over the city of Midland, all over the state of Texas, all over the United States of America, and they're doing what God's called them to do. Now, we believe God's doing what God's called us to do. We're going to preach about what God's talking to us about. But can I just say, this is our church. This is not the church. And there are, there are things that I think that if, until we embrace that, we're going to continue to have that divide. The thing that I believe is the most uh, egregious turnoff to non-believers is when they watch how the church acts with other churches. So I, I think it's very important that as a church, we have... More than we just go after what God's telling us to go after, we're just reminded it's still about people. It's still just about people. And there are lots of people in this, in this city that are going after God to the, to the greatest of their ability. To, and, and I also believe this, God's saying things to other pastors and other churches that he may or may not be saying to us. But this is the season we're in. We have to have enough humility to allow other churches, other denominations, whatever, to be in the season that they're in. We're not here to make the church look like our church, but we are here to make our church look like the church. If there is a blueprint print in Scripture, if there, if there is something in Scripture that says, here's what the church is supposed to look like, can I just say this? If, if, if when we try to make the church look like our church is pride, 
when we try to make our church look like the church, it's humility. And here's what I love. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Which one, we talked about this the other day. Which one would you rather have, God giving us grace or God resisting us? I'll take grace for 300, Alex. <laughs> uh, I think that's where, where we want to land. And so, um, again, now that members of the body of Christ, individually members of it, God has appointed the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. There's eight things mentioned in Scripture, and I've actually continued, if, obviously, as my role, part of my role in the church is to make sure that we're building the church that God sees, building the church that Jesus is coming back for. Obviously, if there's a blueprint, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, and I've continued uh, to just watch over this and pray over this and ask the Lord to continue to show me more uh, about what he's talking here. And, uh, in, in, and I just want to go, there's eight things listed in this, in this scripture. Some of this is review, but I think it, stand, it stands to be repeated. Uh, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, all those we find in Ephesians chapter 4. These are ministry gifts. Not everyone has a ministry gift, but some, God says he gave some this particular gift to equip saints for the work of the ministry. So it's not they're the ones called to just do the ministry. They're called to equip all the saints. Raise your hand if you're a saint. Come on. <laughs> I saw a wife just pull her husband's arm down. Like, nope, not today. Uh, <laughs> or if, if you've been born again, if you're a Jesus follower, you can, you're, you're a saint. So the Bible talks about there's certain gifts that are called to equip saints for the work of the ministry. All saints are called to do the work of the ministry. And so he's kind of talking about different gifts and what they carry in, in the first three. Then it goes into miracles. The first thing after he talks about kind of the staff, he talks about miracles, gifts of healing. And the next two, to be honest with you, I, I think I've taught this somewhat wrong. I, I misinterpreted these words early on, but I really did some study in the last two days uh, over these words, helping, helping and administrating. Eighth, number eight was various kinds of tongues. It's interesting that helping and administrating, uh, those two words and I'm going to dig into this more, but just for all you Bible nerds that want to go study it yourself, both of these words, it's the only time in the entire Bible that they're used. That was fascinating to me. There's something that God says he's put in the church, and it's, only, it's the only time in the entire Scripture that he uses those two words, at least the Greek words, the original, the original language. But today I want to talk about, I want to talk about miracles. Like I said, I, find, I think it's interesting, interesting, almost two years to the day, uh, we started a series on miracles. We started July the 10th of 2016. We started a series on miracles. Didn't even realize that until I heard the Lord begin to talk to me about today, about talking about miracles again. And I think it's just him kind of nudging, saying, this, this isn't just a message, this is a season. This is a season where God wants to see miracles, miracles happen. Uh, when, you, when you get to that list in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and it says God set these gifts in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, that Greek word, you find that, 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 uh, that gift, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when, when, when the apostle Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And these gifts of the Spirit are different ways God wants the Holy Spirit to manifest himself on this planet. There's a, lot, there's a list of nine there. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, or earlier in 1 Corinthians 12. I know we're in verse 28. Just go up a little bit, and you'll read that gift. There's nine in there. It's the same exact word, but that Greek word is the word dunamis. How many of you guys have ever heard of the word dunamis? A couple of you have heard this word dunamis. I just reread the defini definition of this, and it just got me all jacked up, so we're going to see if it works for you too. 
the, the Greek word dunamis is new is when new and higher forces, it's new and higher forces that have entered and are working in this lower world of ours. New and higher first forces that have entered and are working in this lower world of ours. How many of you guys would be okay if God did something you'd never seen before? Never seen before. It says, it says new. How many of you guys would be okay if God did some things that were higher than you've ever seen before? Now, let me just remind you, we are somewhat forced, if you will, to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. This is, the new, this is the New Testament. This is not Old Testament stuff. This is the New Covenant. This is the Apostle Paul talking to us about what the New Covenant church looks like. So if you ever hear someone say, well, miracles passed away uh, with, with the prophets of old, that's something Old Testament. Well, we are reading from the New Testament. And in the New Testament, under this New Covenant, the Apostle Paul tells us here is the primary way that God wants to see the Holy Spirit manifest, in other words, make himself known to his church. He wants new and higher forces to come into your world and to work in your world for whatever it is that you have need of. That's the number one. It's not about learning. It's not about education. It's not about your discipline. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about your giving record. The number one thing he wants you to enjoy in the church is his new and higher forces working in your life. That's his scripture. We can't rewrite it. And of course, you go through the rest of the list and it forces you to deal with all kinds of other stuff because the last thing in the list, number eight, is various kinds of tongues. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. What is wrong with me? Let's move on. Um, again, this is not about building our church. And it's not trying to make everything else look like what we want it to look like. We are after the Father. We are after the Father, and we are, we are here to become the church that Jesus is coming back for. So we have to engage our faith. And when we read things in Scripture and go, I don't know what that means, that's okay. Still go after it. I don't, know if I, I, don't know, I don't know about this miracle stuff. That's okay. You still got to go after it. I don't know about this tongue stuff. You, you at least allow your brain to not get stuck in, this is how I was taught. This is what, this is what the church I grew up in said. This is, I'm not against church, but I'm just very pro-Bible. <laughs> Can we be okay with that? Did I make, we put it up on the screen, didn't we? Can we just one more last time, just for the fun of it. Does this, does this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where are we at? That, notice it doesn't say First Braden twelve twenty eight. This is not my. This is not First Renew Life Church twelve. This is this is the Bible. So we're 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 saying, okay, Lord, what is it that you want us to get from this? Today, my my heart is to answer a rhetorical question: Do we have a part to play in God doing miracles? Do we have a part to play in God doing miracles? If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Second Kings. Chapter four. Um, this is this is the story. This is the story the Lord brought to my heart this week because honestly, I found myself in a situation where the Lord made it very clear to me, in one particular area, I was not even believing for a miracle, nor did I even believe one could happen because my actions surrounding this one particular thing, I was making decisions already assuming I knew how it would turn out. 
I was making decisions. I was making comment. I was doing all this stuff. And the Lord, all of a sudden, in the, in the very middle of this situation, the Lord, see, the Lord said, see, you didn't think I could do this miracle. And it made me aware of the fact that, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's a part that I play in the area of miracles. This is an incredible story in 2 Kings chapter 4. Let me just read it uh, in the New Living Translation. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who serves you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, and he's threatening to take away my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. Can I just say this? I felt like the Lord spoke to me right before I walked up on stage. Notice the first response, and you'll hear the rest of the story later. Notice her first response is, I have nothing at all. Oh, yeah, except for this one flask of oil. The Lord just, the Lord just puts, drops something in my heart. Some of you in here today, your first response in terms of what do you have to bring to the kingdom is your first response is nothing at all. And he says you have more than you think you do. Beware when your first response is when, it, when, when God wants to use you and God has a plan for your life and God wants to do something through you. Be careful when your first response is, I don't have anything to give. Because he's going to show you, oh, wait, you have more than you think you do. That's just what the Lord said. So take it or leave it. Verse 3, Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. In fact, if you look at the, the King James Version, the actual King James Version, it says, borrow not a few. Borrow not a few. It says, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars setting each one aside when it is filled. So he's already explaining to her, and if you just stop right there, she says, I have a flask. We'll just, we'll just call this the flask this morning. So you can go home, tell all your friends, my pastor put a flask on his table. It's supposed to be a joke. Sorry. So we'll just call this a flask. And here's, here's what he says. He says, take your flask, your little bitty flask, Go into, your, go into your, your, your house with all the many vessels, many jars that you have gathered, and pour out of your flask into those jars until they're all full. What is he doing? He's going, hint, hint, God's going to do a miracle. Hint, hint, God's, God's going to do something that blows your mind. Verse 5, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. And soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she had told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now go sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Can we all just agree that's a story of a miracle. That's a, that is an absolute, absolute miracle. And I, and I want to kind of dissect this, this story just one, one bit at a time and see what we can learn from this. It says, notice that she had, she had a flask of oil. The, the prophet says, go gather some jars, gather not a few, bring them into your house, and begin to fill them. And I want you to notice this word in, in verse 5. It says, she did as she was told. She did as she was told. Now, we know the rest of the story, 
But at, at a minimum, we can see that to start this story, somebody did what they were told. Now, we've talked about this in the, in the last several weeks, but it bears repeating. Are you the kind of person that can, do, can be told to do something and you do it? Pride can't be told to do anything from anybody. Humility says, I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn. And even when asked or told to do something crazy, I can... I can do what I'm told. We talked about this a while back. There are, there are multiple ways that God speaks to us. One's through, the, one's through the written word of God. Can you be told what to do from the Bible? Can you be told what to do? I'll just be honest with you. That is, I can feel it right now. That, that just the way I'm saying that is grating against some nerves. Someone telling you what to do. The Bible, there are times when the Bible tells us things to do. Can you be told what to do? There's also the spoken word of God. Sometimes it's the spoken word of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's the spoken word of God that comes from a friend. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know what it's talking about? Sometimes a friend is going to come to you with words, and you're not going to like the sound of them. You're not going to like the advice you're being given. Question, can a friend tell you what to do? got quiet in here. Quick, quick. Can you be told what to do? Oftentimes, a miracle follows an act of obedience. Oftentimes, a miracle follows an act of obedience. But can I, I'll I'll just take it even one step further. Oftentimes, miracles begin with us doing something first. In, 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 In all of the Gospels, in all the recorded Gospels, thir- Jesus did 37 miracles. Did you know of the 37 miracles that he did? 20 of those miracles required somebody else to do something. 20 of those, 17 times. I'm not, because I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe one of the ways God uh, reveals his character and his nature is when he does something without anybody doing anything just to reveal his goodness, to reveal his character, to reveal his power. I know that that happens. But You've also heard the stories in the Bible, and if you think about it, you'll look back. There were many scriptures, there were many stories, there were many miracles that he did that required somebody else to do something. One of there there was a story where where some 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 friends tore a hole in the roof and lowered their paralyzed friend down in. Why? Because they believed in the nature of God. They believed Jesus was who he said. They went first. They went first. There were other times, and you can take a Tons of other stories. Jesus said, hey, it's time to pay taxes. Told them, hey, go fishing. When you catch a fish, there's going to be a gold coin in the fish's mouth. Take that and pay our taxes. Now, can we just acknowledge that it's, you know you're living right when to honor Jesus, you're told to go fishing. <laughs> I just feel like that's a word from God right there for me. But guess what? They had to respond to Jesus' crazy command. Before, the miracle didn't happen until they went fishing. So there, there are times, can I just say this? Sometimes uh, it, it's not just about responding to what God says. I think that's the, one of the easier things to do. But one of the reasons we talk about the nature of God is because in Scripture you see these miracles. Sometimes they just responded to what he says. Other times they responded to who he was. They didn't just respond to what he said. 
These people that cried out and said, Jesus, would you help me? Jesus, would you, the centurion who came and said, Jesus, would you send your word? Jesus didn't give that centurion instructions. The centurion was responding to who Jesus was. So there, there is a response. There is, a, there is an involvement that we see. Sometimes it's us obeying a, a miracle's following our obedience. Sometimes a miracle follows our engaging God based on who he is. So we're already starting to see that we play a part in miracles. Let's continue. The story says, so she begins to fill the jars until there are no more jars. Then the oil stopped flowing. She sold the oil, paid off her debts, and then she lived on the extra. We, we see this, that this, this prophet gave her a hint. Hey, gather as many jars as you can. Begin to pour, them, pour your flask into those jars and he gave her the hint that it won't stop pouring until you're out of jars. Can we acknowledge that that's what he said? He said, you're going to fill it. Before she ever saw the miracle happen, he told her what was going to happen. Can I just ask you this? If you're in her shoes, how long would it have taken you to gather jars? I want you to think about this. If you really, really, really believed that the oil was not going to stop flowing until all of the jars were finished... I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. I told the prophet, I said, I'm going to need a year. I'm about to start a company. We finna start making jars. I'm going to take out more credit. (laughs) If you're going to fill them all up, that's what I'm going to do. Or at least, can I just say this? Or at least that's what I would like to think. But can I also be honest with you? There's a lot of scriptures that give me promises that I don't know that I respond that way to. Note, when did the oil stop flowing? When there were no more jars. Who was responsible for the jars? She was. So let's just ask ourselves the question. Who was the, when, where did the limits of the miracle lie? In her. Notice it says she, she went back to the prophet and she said, he said, okay, now take the oil, sell it, and live off the rest. Do you realize what's happening here? The rest of this woman's life was defined by how much she believed a miracle could really happen. What if, I mean, just put yourself in a, in a similar situation. What if I came today and I said, look, the Lord's spoken to me. And I picked somebody random out of the crowd. And the Lord said to go get wheelbarrows. And I'm fixing to fill those wheelbarrows full of cash before you leave here today. To ask yourself the question. How many wheelbarrows would you actually really get? Because that's basically what this woman was told. Not how crazy does that sound? <laughs> how crazy does that sound? I found myself in that situation this week where I realized I just, I didn't even entertain the idea that God could do a miracle in this particular situation. So I gathered nothing. I prepared nothing. I didn't anticipate anything actually happening. Let me, let me ask you this. If you're believing God for a miracle in your family, let, let, let's, let's get real, real personal. You're a wife and you're believing God to do a miracle in your husband. Your husband's not pursuing God. Your husband's not being the head of the household. There's so many things you want to see in your husband. Let me ask you, are you, let me ask you this question. Are you preparing for God to do a miracle by speaking honorably about him to your children? 
So I don't need, I'm not going to talk down on my husband and I get to my kids. Because when God does a miracle, they're not going to have to overcome their mama's words. They're not, they're not going to have to overcome my words. Do you realize when you speak negatively about a situation, you're literally saying, I don't believe God can do a miracle here. I don't believe he could do a miracle here. Some of you want miracles in your, in your, in your finances. Can I just ask you this question? Are you preparing? Are you, are, do, you, do you even have a budget as if God could potentially give you a million dollars? Some of us want breakthrough in, our, in the area of our finances. We don't even have a budget for the finances that we do have. God, God, the Bible says, he who is faithful with a little, God makes him what? Ruler over much. Ask yourself the question, or do you believe, do you actually believe that God can do a miracle and turn your less than enough life into a more than enough life? Are you preparing in the natural for God to do a miracle. Getting quiet. I, one of the hardest ones, and I was talking to someone about this before the service starts. One of the hardest ones, you know, you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 28, says, God sent these good church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles and healing. Healing, especially when it, the Bible says those, that if you really believe, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You'll, it, not, not, not those who are called a pastor or those who are apostles or prophets. No, anybody who believes, the Bible says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Can we all just acknowledge that that's a really awkward thing? And I was talking to this person before. He says, man, I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. I just, I'm getting caught up in the what ifs. In other words, what, is, what are we saying? What if I do it and I look like an idiot because it doesn't work? What are we saying? I don't know that, I don't know for sure that he's going to do a miracle. And I, I remember sharing with, I shared with him before the service. I said, you know, let's just, let's take all, let's strip it all back and ask yourself the question, which what if would you rather live with? What if you prayed, it didn't work, and people looked at you like an idiot? Or what if you didn't pray and nothing happened, and the rest of your life you lived with the idea, what if it did work? What if it did? Can, can, I, can I propose to you today that potentially the rest of your life may, de- may be defined by how much you prepare for God to do a miracle. Leanne spoke over, uh, Leanne, Leanne, Leanne spoke over people with infertility, and people that are having a hard time being pregnant. You know how dumb you might look going out and buying baby clothes, buying newborn diapers, picking out baby names. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not throwing any stones here. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Some of you, that's where you've stopped. You've hoped and you've hoped and you've hoped and you've hoped and it's been deferred and you feel a little heart sick. We were there. I, I, I remember we, we went through this. We didn't go through this with our first two kids. It was, it, I mean, I could just wink at her because that's how I roll. But anyway, uh, But then this, this next, this, this last baby, it, it didn't work for a long time. It didn't work for a long time. And, I, and I, I get that there can be some emotion, some negative emotion that comes with hope being deferred. I get that. I'm, again, I'm not throwing stones. What I'm asking you for is, 
what would you be doing right now if you really believed God was going to do a miracle? Would you be reading the book, What to Expect, when expecting? Would you be writing out baby names? Would you be talking about it? The Bible says, call those things that be not as though they were. How would you talk? What words would come out of your mouth if you really believed? And, I, and again, I just, I felt super strong in this one particular area. I believe God wants to do some miracles in the area of marriage with husbands and wives. But can I just say this? Wives, don't create more barriers for your kids by how you're talking about your spouse before the miracle. Talk to your kids about your spouse like the miracle's already happened. Speak to, about them with respect. Speak to them with love. So when God does the miracle, when God, just think about it. What if you live the rest of your life? I just, I'm going to freeze on that one. With this, and I'm going to live like when God does the miracle. That's, that's going to dictate every decision I make. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah, but I know when God does the miracle, here's what I'm going to do. When God does this, this is, that's, that's, that's what was going on. And I just, I, I just am here to encourage you today. Can we just, when it comes time to gather vessels, let's don't stop gathering vessels for a long time. Let's keep gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering, actually believing God's going to do what he said he was going to do. We have a part to play in the miraculous. If we want to see God do the miraculous, he told us it's what he wants. It's the number one thing he wants to see his church encounter is miracles. Let's do our part to make sure we don't stand in the way of the miracle that wants to manifest the rest of our lives. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.